Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Divorce Redefined. I'm your host, Cindy Stibbard. If you are just contemplating divorce, thick in the process, or you're out the other side wanting to make better choices and redefine yourself and your life, you have come to the right place. No matter what stage of life you're at, maybe you're just dating and seeking guidance on how to be the best partner you can be. Maybe you're navigating a tough time in your current relationship and you want to do things better. Maybe you're going through a divorce and you need some guidance or inspiration to get through it. Or maybe you're out the other side looking for ways to become a better, more evolved human. Whatever path you're on or stage you're at, my goal and purpose of this podcast is to provide you with the information, education, inspiration, and empowerment so you can make the best decisions for you, whatever those decisions may be. Now, to get this show and the value of the guests that I bring you out in front of all those who need it most, I need your help. Please make sure to follow the show over at iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to your podcast, and give us a five-star rating. The more ratings we have, the more people we can reach, which means the more people we can help. And serving others is truly what my mission in this is all about. So I thank you in advance for heading over and doing that for us because it truly does help. Today on the show, we are going to talk about our physical health and wellness post-divorce or breakup. So let me ask you this question. Is the greatest revenge to being dumped looking and feeling better than ever? Whether you want to lose weight, bulk up, gain confidence, or learn how to manage hormonal changes in middle age, my guest today has an abundance of powerful and effective tips and strategies that you can use to reach your revenge body in a healthy and sustainable way. Studies have shown that there is a thing such as called relationship weight. It's when a settled couple, notice I didn't say happy or unhappy, but a settled couple is more likely to put weight on, typically more often than single people. Of course, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with added weight and extra pounds. Everyone is beautiful just as you are. But that being said, there's no lie that divorce can sometimes leave a person feeling lost. And a dramatic lifestyle change like divorce can lead you to seek other ways of coping and comfort. Many people turn to alcohol, food, serial dating, or sex to get the comfort that they need and distract them from pain. But perhaps exploring the world of self-care and physical health and learning about your hormones and nutrition might be a better choice. So now, if this sounds like you or someone you know, or you want to get in shape post-divorce, don't go anywhere. My guest today is Maverick Willett, otherwise known as the Emotional Support Viking. He is the owner of Maverick Online Coaching, the premier online woman's body transformation program that is taking the internet and your waistline by storm. 
Maverick is a former army ranger turned in power of women, and his comedic Instagram reels have gained massive popularity among single moms and divorcees looking to get their revenge bodies and make their ex's jaws drop. All, of course, without sacrificing our beloved carbs or wine night. Maverick, welcome to the show. Wow. I'm going to, you know, Sandy, you can come do my intro for my podcast because yours is way better than mine. That was amazing. You made me sound really cool. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, you are really cool. And if anyone hasn't seen your Instagram, oh my God, you literally crack me up on a daily basis. They are so good. Yeah, that's what I do. I, I love to bring comedy to uh, the the weight loss industry, the the fitness industry, and, and just, you know, bring, a, um, bring that angle to uh, a topic that is very misunderstood and um, leaves people feeling very confused and helpless at times um, and just put really good evidence-backed information out there uh, as well. You know, that's kind of like my, my combo punches. My one, two punches is comedic and and value driven. I just try to try to do both consistently. Well, it's definitely working. And I also love the amount of value and the information that you provide, but I want to go back in terms of sharing a little bit of your story and how the emotional support Viking was born. It's actually pretty funny. I, I have women to credit for that, for that term. Any, a lot of the other funny phrases that I use um, have come from commenters on videos. Um, I, I was, uh, I've been coaching for about six years now in total. Um, I started back in 2000. I, I went full time back in 2019. I was working a job that I hated selling cars and um, I'll never forget the the day that I, I quit. I, I was, I'd been kind of contemplating it for a while. Like, I have this side gig that I really enjoy. That's like the side hustle that's bringing me a lot of fulfillment. And I have this full-time thing that I hate. It's making me miserable. Mm -hmm. And the deciding factor was one day I sold three brand new Mustangs in one day and I made $300. Um, and that, that was the day I was like, I've, I've had it. I'm, I'm done. Wow. I, I would rather go homeless for you know six months if that's what it takes for me to be successful at this side gig. But that didn't happen. Um, I've Thankfully, gratefully seen a lot of success in the online coaching realm, just with consistency and the information I put out. But yeah, um, the before emotional support Viking, I was trademarked as the MILF whisperer, um, a little <laughs> bit more polarizing term. Uh, but I got that from a commenter on TikTok. TikTok was a great place to kind of test out videos and see how they do yeah. in the space. And, and a lot of times people just leave the funniest comments. Um, they leave hateful comments too, but some of them are really, really funny. And someone one day just said, wow, are you like some kind of emotional support Viking? I was like, I'm using that. That's perfect. And so it just there stuck it is. sense. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It, yeah. TikTok, I feel like that. that's the place I go when I'm really, you know, feeling too high on my horse. I need to be brought down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just the wild west out there. You get all walks of life on TikTok. I love it. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty intense over there. But I love, I love that. I love that, that term. I think that's so unique and, and so positive because you are emotionally supporting women on this journey. And to hear all of that, your knowledge that you have around, you know, a woman's body and her weight loss journey, and also the hormone imbalance that we face in women, especially middle age, you know, what turned you on to this idea of creating this revenge body angle? Because I think that's also, you know, when you go through divorce, you want to redefine, I mean, what I call divorce redefine, you kind of want to redefine yourself. And a lot of that starts with, you know, doing it on the inside, but also doing it on the outside. It's a chance to really like, you know, take it, take yourself back and like make an impact out there. Yeah. 
it, honoring your body um, le- bleeds over into a lot of other things in life. I mean, it, it, I, one of the biggest things, especially with like single moms that I've, I've noticed is there's this mentality that you have to just give, 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 put everyone before yourself and your needs come last and, and your fitness gets put on the back burner. And, you know, that's actually not the best answer as a parent, you know, our, our children model what we do, you know, not necessarily what we say, they're going to do what we do. And so if they see you constantly self-abandoning and, and, you know, in order to, to fill everyone else's cups, that's what they're going to learn is, is the right way to do things. So helping a lot of women, whether they're single moms or not, learn that, you know, I am mine before anyone else's. That's kind of a mantra that we have in the program. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when you wake up in the morning, you need to serve yourself first in order for you to show up for everyone else. So um, we, as just kind of organically over time, we, um, we kept working with a lot of divorcees in our program because yeah, in that phase of that season, we'll say it's a, I hate that the word season, it's like a millennial term, but we'll call it a season. <laughs> you know, you're, you're looking for, to regain your power. A lot of times your power was taken away in like an abusive relationship or from, you know, someone who's has some toxic narcissistic tendencies, whatever people are going through. A lot of times you're like clamoring to find yourself again. Maybe you became emotionally enmeshed in that other person and you're just trying to find your identity. And so the revenge body uh, term, it's it's appealing because it's like, uh, you know, a lot of times we we think it's because we want to get revenge on that person. Or, and then some people even think that's kind of like what the what we do, like we're going right. to go to your ex's house and like leak his nudes <laughs> online or something or like oh egg his house. But no, it's all about getting revenge against your former self, the version of you that, you know, didn't have boundaries, the version of you that would get walked on, the version of you that self-abandoned in order to make everyone else happy to people, please. And all these things that has kept you in pain and struggling for so long. So it's kind of like avenging your former self and embodying the new powerful version of yourself that sets boundaries, that um, isn't afraid to speak up for yourself, that serves herself first so that you can show up at your best for yourself and everyone. Maybe if you have kids, serve them even better when you're serving yourself first. So just really an overall empowerment of honoring your body, um, setting boundaries, you know, clear communication, uh, getting good information with your nutrition. That's the, the big, that's another huge part of what we do is helping women escape the yo-yo weight loss, mm. extreme dieting culture that is keeping so many women in pain and just, you know, stepping on the scale and crying every morning. And, you know, I've, I've heard some of the, some horror stories from women who have tried the extreme diets out there and, and the things that it's done to their body and their, their psyche. It's just so, you know, stepping away from that, finding food freedom with evidence-based coaching is, is a, a lot of what we do as well, because when you fix that piece a lot of other things fall into place. When you get balanced with your nutrition, you start seeing results, you start feeling like you're back in control again. That's a really, really great empowering feeling. So that's what we strive to do for all the women we work with. Yeah. And it's all those pieces of the puzzle that fit together, right? And I love that you're talking about we battle so much as women with our sense of self is so tied to our appearance on the outside, our body image. I mean, I grew up like that. I struggled with, with bulimia for 25 years and body image issues. And, you know, I also was very heavily into a community of affluent community that was very, you know, conscious of how you looked and how much you weighed. And all the, all the women are very focused on exercise and, you know, not eating necessarily or doing whatever fad diet. And I mean, I grew up in a house too, where my parents were never very fit. Sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening to this, but they were always on a diet, whether it be like slim fast or weight watchers or what have you from a young age, I was doing cleanses. I was trying this. I was trying that I was eating no carbs and I was eating no fat. And then it was all fat free. And I think my mind was all around 
being obsessed with that kind of thing, but never allowing my body to intuitively eat for me. And over the years, you know, I felt like I would had no control over in other parts of my life. So the one place I could control is my eating and my exercise. And so I gained control that way, but then felt totally out of control with it. And it just eats away at you for years and years. And you're trying to struggle with what you where you really ultimately want to be. And honestly, it wasn't until it wasn't until I left my marriage did my eating disorder actually subside for some crazy reason. But my therapist was like, well, because you finally found freedom to like make your own choices and not, you know, be in control. And it was also just this whole sense of finding worthiness on my own path. And then teaching my body at mid 40s how to eat properly because I did everything from intermittent fasting to like cabbage cleansing to whatever, <laughs> like cabbage cleansing, <laughs> like you name one. it. It was like endless and it's exhausting. And when I finally realized that I could eat food in a balanced way, not only did I lose weight naturally, I don't had hadn't have a lot to, to lose, but it's more of just body composition. Um, my energy changed. And also my mood changed a ton when I was giving myself back carbs and I was eating protein and I wasn't skipping meals and all these things that I think you get to this place at mid forties, like you need to lose weight. And I'd been restricting calories for so long that my body was also really confused when I started eating again. So I had to go through that whole process of like it stabilizing itself But tell us, you know, a little bit about how you guide people through getting their head around the fact that eating is good. And you talk a lot about like the myths about carbs and and protein and fat loss, because you say fat loss. And I swear every single woman's eyes go like, what, where, where can I get that? (laughs) You know, what diet do I need to do? You know, Yeah. so you bring up two, two, you bring up a lot of great points, but two that really stand out. One, we don't get these tools as children. It's not taught in school. Most of us have an upbringing that was like similar to yours, you know, if I, if, and, it, and it like puts this, there's, there's like so many things as children that we learn that are so fucked up. One of them is yeah. the whole, like, well, finish your plate, make a happy mm-hmm. plate. You got to finish your plate. And then that gets like in our heads, like, oh, well, I have to eat, finish my plate no matter what. I mean, and so that's at our most moldable point in our lives when we're soaking up everything and it's like branded in our brains that we have to finish our plate no matter what. So portion control is not taught to us as children. Um, there's, there's no education to the school system on caloric awareness, on macronutrients, on weighing your food. I, call me tinfoil hat. I think that's by design. They want people, they don't want to get people the tools of intuitive eating, but yeah. to your point, we have to learn this when we're 30, 40 years old. And, yeah. and when we're, we're, our metabolisms have taken a hit and when we're like struggling and, and, and we're not, you know, a lot of people, you know, we're active in school or whatever. And then you're less active as an adult, you have kids, et cetera. You talked about the settling relationships. And the same stuff doesn't work anymore because you're not burning as many calories at rest as you used to. You lose lean body mass. So there's a lot of pieces to it. But the biggest thing is we're not given the, ki- the, the the education as a child in our upbringing in school. And then the first bit of education we get is usually from a diet because it's the same like your body starts to change. And you're like, oh, well, this I'm not happy with this. What should I do? I should I should Google how to lose weight. Well, when you Google how to lose weight, four out of the five, four out of the first five results that pop up are mass weight loss corporations, Weight Watchers, Advocare, Nutrisystem, mm-hmm. Octavia, Noom. Those are the ones that pop up because they have the big bucks to pay for the ad space on those, those search results, right? They have the SEO to do that. 
So if that's the first thing you see, most people click the first result they see. So most mm -hmm. people's journeys are my body has changed. I don't like what I see. Let me Google how to lose weight. What comes up? Fad diets. So their first bit of yeah. anything nutrition wise is a fucking fad diet. So then you then you go down that road and you get a little bit of results, right? It's like, oh, this is working. Cool. The scale is going down. And we've also equated all success with the scale. That's oh, another big really, time. Yeah, it's a horrible thing that that a lot of people get caught up with, especially women, is if the scale isn't moving, I'm not succeeding. And as as you know, like body composition is uh, is, is the more important piece of that. We'll get into that later. But so you, you go down this road, you get some results, and then all of a sudden it stops working and you can't understand why. So then you get discouraged, you get frustrated, and then you gain weight back probably, maybe even more so than you had before. And you're like, well, shit, let me try another one. And and their marketing is so good. It makes you think that that's the solution that you're missing. That's the one piece that you don't, that's, oh, keto, that yeah. must be it. It's carbs. Right. Carbs are making me fat, right? So, and then that, that could happen 20 times before you finally get good information. But by that time, you're so scared and like mistrustful of everything. You're like, I don't trust a damn thing now because I've tried 20 things and none of them worked. Yeah. So it's like, what the hell is correct? What is good? What is bad? And it, and then there's also things like with Weight Watchers, the point, assigning points to food. You've demonized carbs with keto. Some guy on TikTok telling you that bread's killing you. It's like, what the hell can I eat? So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I say all that to say, like, I get it. I understand why everyone is so confused because the device that we use to get information is just shrouded in a plethora of bullshit. And it mm -hmm. keeps people just in this perpetual confusion. So how, how do you know what works and how do you know what is correct when it comes to nutrition? Well, like you got to go by evidence. It's like, what, what have we found in actual human studies to be real like what what is actual data and the data suggests that there's no one thing that's making people fat there's no one thing you can't blame carbohydrates you can't blame sugar there's because those things in and of themselves don't make people gain weight mm -hmm. what makes people gain weight is the law of thermodynamics it's consuming more energy than you are expending now that's not calories in calories out because i know everybody's heard that before and they're like i'm sick of hearing that that's one piece of it yeah right you do have to have under control how much, how many calories you're eating over time. But why does it change as we get older? Well, it changes because of a variety of reasons, but the main ones are, well, muscle tissue is a huge contributor to how many calories you burn at rest. Most people don't realize like we burn the majority of the calories every single day from our basal metabolic rate. I'm not going to get too into the weeds or complicated, but basically it costs a lot of calories to run our bodies, to make yeah. it function, to pump our blood, to respirate, all these things. And what your body is composed of has a big effect on that. So like someone like me with a ton of lean body mass, I burn like 3000 calories just breathing all day Right, because it takes a lot more energy. Muscle is a calorically expensive tissue. As we age, if we don't continue to maintain or, you know, get stronger and get muscle tissue and maintain it, then we'll lose it just as a naturally occurring factor of aging. Well, when you lose muscle tissue, you're going to burn less calories at rest because your body no longer has to support that muscle tissue. So as we age, when we lose muscle, it's like if 2000 calories maintained your weight when you were 25, well, now that's gone down to like 1700 because you lost mm. the muscle tissue. So even though you're eating the same amount of calories, you're actually in a caloric surplus for the day, which would mean you would gain weight because you are now consuming more energy than you are expending. So like 
This is why people say, well, I'm doing like my body just stopped responding to the same thing or it just changed all of a sudden. Well, it's like it it didn't happen all of a sudden. It was gradual. Mm -hmm. But that's why you can do the same thing, eat the same amount of food and then gain weight. It's because you've lost the thing that's making you burn calories. So combine that with people generally are less active as we age. You have kids, you do this. So like 15% or more of our calories burned every day comes from how active you are outside of exercise. So like your step count is a huge indicator of that. And that's why I'm so big on step count. If you just, if you, if that step count decreases as a, as a fact, like as a product of, you know, a sedentary job or, or, you know, being with the kids more, whatever it is, you're going to burn less calories in that category. And therefore, again, if even if you eat the same amount of calories you were 10 years ago, you're going to gain weight because now you're that you've taken that chunk out as well. Right. So that and then the, another big factor is protein consumption. Mm. It's a huge one. So um, protein has a high thermic effect of food. That means the amount of calories you burn digesting it. So we burn calories digesting food, right? Yeah. And protein has the highest thermic effect of food. Well, we are chronically under consuming protein as a populace. Like mm. when we have people track their protein, when they come into our program and, and we don't mind you, like it's not meticulous. We just want to get like a baseline of how much protein you're consuming. It's usually around like 30 to 40 grams a day, which is like what a baby eats. Right. So when you're not burning that many calories, digesting it and protein, as we know, helps you build muscle tissue. Then now all of a sudden you've taken two more chunks out of how many calories you're burning. So that's, that's a big product of why people are putting on weight as they age those pieces right there. Now you throw in hormones, for women, especially oh, men gosh. don't really have to deal with it. So I don't really, I have a lot less sympathy for men, but women have a whole host of things that happen around the age of 45. Mm-hmm. You go into perimenopause, estrogen and progesterone start to go down. You feel like crap. You have start to have hot flashes. You start to have all these things changing with your body. So you throw that into all these other things that are happening. It makes it even harder, right? Like hormones can speed up or slow down the process. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if we talk about thyroid and stuff like that. They don't stop it completely, but they can make it a hell of a lot harder to want to do the things that lead to fat loss. So I have a lot of empathy for for women going through that. I will never know what that's like, um, but that's why I try to put out as much information as I can on, you know, those those phases of life, um, because it's it's just it's really hard. Women don't understand what's what's going on with their bodies. And you go to the doctor and you don't get any help. That's another yeah. reason why I'm so passionate about hormones specifically is because Women don't get help clinically when it comes to menopause. It's like they take your blood work. It's within the FDA healthy range. And they're like, okay, you're good. And you're like, well, I don't feel good. (laughs) I mean, you're telling me I'm healthy. I don't feel good. And it's like they don't have the education. Most MDs are not educated in hormones. You know, you'd have to go to endocrinologist who actually gives a shit about your body composition, you know, and your weight loss goals. Anyway, I digress. The, The biggest confusion people have is if they're not aware of how many calories they're consuming week to week and how active they are. 47% of people underestimate their caloric intake. Mm-hmm. 51% of people overestimate their activity level. So you've got, as a populace, half of us are overestimating our activity level and underestimating our caloric intake. And we see that all the time with our with our clients, you know, but we aren't to, in everyone's defense, it goes back to, we weren't given these tools yeah. as kids. No one sat us down and was like, this is why you want to portion your food. And this is why you want to stay active. And here is what have the benefits of protein. And here's what macronutrients are. It's protein, carbs, and fats. None of them actually make you fat. But if you eat too much of anything, it will make you fat over time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's like, you know, I could go all day on like 
why we're an average of our consumption over time and not just one or two days. Cause that's the other thing. People have right. a cyclical pattern of binging on the weekend because they starve themselves all week mm-hmm. and not realizing that we're an average of our caloric intake. So, and I'll, I'll stop talking after this, I promise, but this is super long winded. <laughs> no, I'm like, like absorbed people, by this conversation. Yeah. What, what we see is people will go all out on the weekends, right? Monday morning rolls around. They're like, all right, new week, new me, getting it together. And they'll fast, they'll do some diet, they'll whatever, cut out bread, whatever they decide to do this week on Instagram. And they'll maybe barely eat Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe. Let's just say they do mm-hmm. 800 calories, less than a toddler, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And then cravings start kicking in Wednesday. So they start eating a little bit more. Mind you, nobody's tracking their calories. So no one actually knows how much they're eating, but mm-hmm. cravings start kicking in. Thursday, Friday, they start eating more and more, maybe some mindless snacking, maybe there's some processed foods coming in. So they're they're not satiating us. They're high calorie, but low satiating. We go to the weekend, all bets are off. We're like, I earned it. And I barely ate Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So like it balances out, right? Well, what you don't realize is even though you ate 800 calories Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, allegedly, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if you average 2,500 plus, mm-hmm. 3,000 maybe, that's going to bring your weekly average over what it takes to maintain your weight. And that's why people are struggling with their weight loss because there's no mindfulness of what's going on on a seven day average. Yeah. If they, because all we have to do is average less than it takes to maintain our weight if the goal is weight loss. So that's, that's what people are doing. They just don't realize that. And that's, that's the other thing we weren't taught as well is like satiation, like mm-hmm. what food makes us feel full. Well, processed food. And I'm a, I'm an advocate of keeping processed food in your nutrition because it's fucking delicious and we love it, Yeah. but it doesn't fill us up. Like you take 2000 calories of Panera bread and 2000 calories of chicken breast and potato. Well, the chicken breast potato, you're, you're going to be super full after those 2000 calories, Panera bread, you're going to be ready to eat two, two hours later, probably same 2000 calories. One of them's nutrient dense. One of them's processed. And so people don't realize that it feels like you're barely eating because you're eating food that's not filling. It's not mm-hmm. nutrient dense. And so just sh- shifting like a one millimeter shift to eating a little bit more nutrient dense food can shave off 20 pounds in over time just because you're you're not eating as much because you're more full. Just simple, simple little changes like that. People want to do extremes. They're like, oh, I have to go all in, put all this out because that's what's making me fat. It's like, no, all you have to do is consume more protein and you'll be more full. And you're going to burn more calories at, at, at digesting food and build some muscle if you're assuming you're lifting weights, right? So eat more protein, try to eat nutrient-dense food 60% of the time, increase your step count. Right. That's it. And that requires awareness of your step count. Track it for seven days, get an average, add to it over time. But that you do those three things, you could you could lose as much weight as you want. Right. But you have to be consistent with it. And people are really good at being consistently inconsistent because they're doing fads and extremes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I read that in one of your posts too. And I also read how I love that you said that we don't have an obesity issue, right? We have an accountability issue. I think that's what you said. Is that yeah, what you said? It's, yeah. Ownership, ownership, issue, ownership account, issue. Accountability issue. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that you're right, it's all about tracking. I mean, I was exactly what you just described. Like the person who was like, great during the week. I like didn't eat very much at all. And so weekends are free because that's just how it's supposed to be. Right. And then you end up just catching up or I would not eat and drink instead, you know, liquid lunch. I was always thought I was being good. <laughs> like just drink my calories instead of eat them. And the underestimation of protein. I mean, I, I did 
keto. I like protein. I always thought that I was getting a lot until I actually started to track it. And I was shocked at how little I was actually getting. And so now I think my daily intake is like 130 grams of protein that I have a day. Um, And it's hard to get that even as well. But I do find, like you said, I'm so much more satisfied and like I'm eating I will, this is, I eat actually dinner for breakfast. So I have like potatoes and chicken and like broccoli or green beans in the morning. Cause I've discovered that my body responds better when I have more of a dense breakfast. I can't eat breakfast. It's like going to make me fat or I have to like save my calories for later in the day. So I can have a bigger dinner. And it's just like this whole mind fuck that you've got going on with yourself because you're not tracking. You don't really know how to do it now to do it properly. And your mood is all over the place, which also sets your hormones all over the place when you're a woman of my age. And so what do you suggest, you know, people tracking? Like, I think steps are also huge. That was one thing that I didn't realize. I would literally be like running and is cardio 45 hour and a half a day and feeling nothing. Nothing <laughs> was changing, but the step count too. So like, how do people track these things in terms of like, first of all, their food, how do they track what they are eating? Because I do think that's important. We all underestimate how much we're actually taking in. Like as I just ate a handful of chocolate chips before we got on here, I have to remember to count those, (laughs) right? Um, But how do people do that? It always triggers folks and shatters dreams when I say, listen, starvation mode doesn't exist. Like if this phenomenon existed, please go explain it to the actual starving people in third world countries who are rail thin. You don't store body fat from not eating enough. Your body can't spontaneously create body fat out of thin air. Like when I say that, people just get pissed, but it's like, sorry, like you can't materialize body fat out of thin air. So yes, it's coming from somewhere. Where is it coming from? Give me an answer. Okay. So very simply, like, and this is why people have an aversion to tracking because they hear that term and they're like, that Mm. sounds like a lot of work that sounds like an eating disorder. That sounds like compulsion. It's like, no, like if you want to save more money, what do you do? You keep a budget. You need to become aware of, and then you'll see, oh, maybe I shouldn't shop at 3 a.m. and and buy shoes from Amazon. You know, maybe I I shouldn't do that. And then you're like, oh, that's where the money's going, right? Well, by the same token, you don't have to, like, you don't, you don't do a knee jerk reaction either. Like if you're like, oh, my bank account looks slow. You don't immediately run into the kitchen. You're like, all right, no more groceries for anybody. Nobody's eating anymore. (laughs) And yet when we want to lose weight, we go extreme immediately. We're like, all right, no more carbs. That's got to be the culprit. You don't have to be super extreme with it. Simply just a couple, couple simple changes. And how do you get started? Well, you got to become aware. We have to become aware on some level. There are apps that are great for tracking calories. There are apps that are great for tracking steps and some of them even sync together. So Mm. My fitness pal is a, this isn't a plug for them. I wish I had my own to plug, but my fitness pal is, is great. I mean, they're, they're a great app for tracking food Yeah, and you don't have to get super complex with it. If I were to like, when we guide clients in our program, we don't tell them to track all their calories. We just start with protein and mm-hmm. that's it because carbs and fats don't matter when it comes to fat loss at all. It, calories oh. equated. If you have two identical women, and I'm saying women, cause I work with women. So two identical women and one of them eats, they, they both eat. 2000 calories, right? And protein is equated within those calories. They eat the same amount of protein, but one of them does a super high fat, low carb. And the other one does super high carb, low fat. 
same results, exact same results. Really? Carbs and fat do not affect body composition in terms of in, as long as protein, protein is the magic one. You have to have protein equated, but as long as you have calories and protein, no difference. And you, that the data, there's a mountain of data on that. It's just science. So wow. yeah, carbs are demonized. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why it, the carb insulin model was debunked years ago. Like there's, there's no reason to be afraid of carbohydrates. It's all total caloric intake. And people will be like, well, what about diabetics? Well, work with a doctor, but same thing applies. Control calories, they lose weight, same results. Okay. Anyway, now that we got that out of the way. Um, start with tracking protein. So you need to become aware on some level of like where you're at now. Cause everyone is always like, well, what's a goal? How much should I, how much should I consume? I can't tell you that until you are aware of how much you're consuming now. So for seven days, just track your, your food and see how much protein you average over a seven day period. Mm-hmm. And once you have that number, you have your baseline, just start to increase from there. So if you average 30 grams of protein a day, maybe one day you eat 80, one day you eat 10 and you average 30, you know, then now you have your next goal, which would be 35 grams the next week. And then the next week, try for 38 or 40, you know, you just slowly build up. Mm-hmm. I always tell people goal weight times 0.7 is a decent minimum goal to strive for. But again, you want to get the okay. awareness first because we can't go anywhere until we're aware of where we're at. Mm-hmm. So just get that protein average and go from there. Same exact thing with steps. For steps, let a step tracker. I have a free one on my phone that I use and just let it run on autopilot for a week. Don't actually think about it because you want to get a realistic number, right? of how much you actually walk. Cause I get, we, we, we get women all the time who are like, I average 14,000 steps a day. I'm like, do you average it? Or you just walk that one Tuesday last right. week? Like, <laughs> yeah. Average right. is a strong word. Like, are you averaging 40,000 or yesterday you happen to do 14,000 cause you went to the mall. Like that was one day. Yeah. What do you, what, what are you consistently doing? So get us, get a total, like a seven day total. And let's say that that week you average 2000 a day. So you had 14,000 steps as your total that week. Well, then your next goal is 14,200 just, and that's an extra flight of stairs. That's an extra walk outside for five minutes. It's like, we don't have to make these. And if you do that, just those two things, if you do those two things, now you're conscious of your protein. So you're starting to eat a little more. Now you're conscious of your step counts. You're starting to walk a little more, more protein, more steps equals a ton of weight loss over the course of six months. And you didn't do anything drastic. You don't have to cut out any foods. You don't have to do anything stupid, like cut sugar out completely or dairy or, or bread that you're not even allergic to. Like, Gluten is another one people cut out. It's like you haven't even seen a gastroenterologist confirm that you are indeed a gluten intolerant. So why are you right. cutting it out? Like, so it's like we don't have to do anything crazy. You just have to get an awareness of where you're at and then slowly increase from there. And it's like the compound interest of those small increases over time add up to make monumental differences down the road. Because if you do that, let's say for six to eight months and you're averaging, like let's say you were averaging 30 grams a day of protein. Now you're averaging 80 to 90 Mm-hmm. You're burning so many more calories digesting food. There's there's no way you couldn't have lost weight in those six to eight month period. Right. But people will get impatient after like week two when they didn't get the extreme results like keto and quit and go back to keto, the thing that didn't work. So yeah. you have to like, you have to stay consistent. That's like, that's why coaching is so valuable because you have somebody reiterating these things week to week and like, talking you off the ledge, like, no, 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 don't go back to, you don't go back to that. That did you very wrong. It's like going back to that toxic X. Don't go back to keto. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> stay here. Stay here in the promised land. You're doing great. And another, another thing that people ask is like, well, how much weight should I be looking to average per week? Like loot of loss. And it's like, well, you want to average again. I say Edward average a shit ton. Cause it's so important. Um, 
but like we're, we're, our body is a culmination of averages. So it's like, mm-hmm. you want to average half a pound to a pound and a half of a week, a pound and a half per week of, of loss over time. Now, what that means is why the word average is so important is because your weight's going to go up some weeks because, right. and I'm going to decimate the scale right now, but like the scale is a glorified poop detector. Like if, if you, if, it weighs everything, it's, it's earth's gravitational pull. So like, if you haven't pooped yet, of course, it's going to be a higher number. If you if you worked out yesterday, it's going to be a higher number. If it's your monthly cycle, it's going to be a higher number. If it's there's yeah. so many things that equate to that number. So that's why averages are so important because I love I love women. I love you all. But it's like you guys forget <laughs> about your cycle every month. I know. It's got to happen. We and do you wait every week. And you're comparing a week one weight to a week three weight when you always gain weight. So I have to remind people, I'm like, sis, like this is during your, your luteal phase. This is your follicular phase. Like you're, you're going to weigh more this week. This Don't compare week one to week three. We compare week three this month to week three last month during yeah. the same phase of your cycle. So that's important for women as well. They don't, you know, we, we tend to forget that stuff. So um, yeah, the, you want to, you want to look at your trends over time. Use the scale as a device to measure trends. Because every mm-hmm. if you weigh every single day, you're gonna drive yourself fucking crazy because you're oh, gonna yeah. weigh something high or low every day. Like you could lose seven pounds overnight and regain it by noon. You know, it's it's like because yeah. we put things in our body, we consume food. So over time, you can measure a trend, and it's okay if it goes up one week. It doesn't mean that whatever you're doing isn't working anymore. It just means that that week you just happened to, to weigh a little more. It's probably gonna go down next week. Just stay the course, you know. Yeah. And it's not a measure of your success because we are so conditioned to look at that number and put our value on that. I mean, for years, years, I'm telling you, I could not get on a scale. And even when I was pregnant, I had to get on the scale at the doctors backwards because I'm like, I can't look at that number because it literally plays this mind fuck. I'm like, I must have heavy bones. <laughs> you know, like I would dense bones, Cindy. I know. I would just have this idea in my mind of how much I was supposed to weigh based on nothing, like no valid reason yeah, at like all. Yeah, who gave you that story, you know? Yeah. And so now I don't get on the scale every day. I do every now and now and then, probably every week or so, but I still have to remind myself when I get on because I am on a, you know, on a program, on a maintenance. Um, okay. Like I am on a cycle and it can go up and down and you feel like if you've been conditioned to put your worth on that number, you can feel really deflated when you feel good and you're like, oh, my clothes fit really good, but I get on the scale and why am I up three pounds or or five pounds? And I have to remember, okay, how am I feeling in my clothes right now? Like how am I feeling in my body? That number just means nothing, but it's you do have to condition yourself as a woman to constantly bring that back. And I I actually hate conversations now when I'm sitting with women and they talk about like, oh, we need to lose five pounds or like I got on the scale this morning and like I weigh this. I'm like, I can't even talk about this because there's just so much lack of education around what that means. And then I hate it when like our kids are around and they're hearing those numbers. It's like, we should not be even talking about this right now. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll, they'll, that's what they'll learn. Weigh your food, not your body. Um, yeah. yeah. And a lot of women wonder, I'm sure like, well, how the fuck can this guy understand what we go through with the scale? Oh yeah, I love what you. I love that you just said that right now because I'm like, how does a you know so much about hormones and body fat and everything? And I feel like I literally was thinking about this too before you came on. I'm like, as a woman, we are born as a as a female. 
but we are not born with the data download of how our body works, right? So we don't know. And we need to be educated on this. Yeah, I... I can relate with the feelings and, and I think that helps me a lot. I've, I've been a lot of, in, you know, invested in a lot of self-work and that comes through integrally in my, my content, but like the scale thing, I actually really relate with because I can't step on a scale myself because mm-hmm. on the opposite spectrum, I struggling with body dysmorphia as a young man for so long and being obsessed with putting on muscle to feel worthy and to get attention and validation. Mm. that I would step on the scale. And if it didn't go up, then I would go force feed myself and then go reweigh and make sure that I weighed a pound more knowing like logically like, okay, I ate, that's why I weigh more, but it wasn't a good day unless the scale was going up. And so it got to the point where I was just force feeding and and like slamming shakes in order to just keep gaining weight. And it's insane because the same advice that I, I, the same guidance that I give women where it's like, sis, the scale is not supposed to go down every single week. That's, that's probably, you're probably doing something extreme if it is going down every single week. I I live that life of trying to make the scale say something different every single day, Mm -hmm. but just on the opposite spectrum. And I would feel so defeated if I wasn't gaining weight because I was just brainwashed to think that I had to be so jacked and, and, and muscle bound in order to be worthy of attention or to be worthy or attractive or good enough or to escape the pain that the bullies inflicted as a child. You know, a lot of men, we build our whole lives around not feeling things ever again. Um, It's kind of like our fortress. So like that was, that was for me. So I I understand on that, I can relate on that level, not feeling worthy and, and having your power taken away. And then the scale really messing with your mind in terms of like trying to progress and trying to better yourself and it not saying what you wanted to say and not moving fast enough. You know, I, all those feelings, I can relate with, um, even, you know, not going through that specific experience. Yeah. I mean, that's huge to be able to have empathy for that. Cause that's exactly the same experience that we go through. And, and how did you, how did you actually heal yourself from that kind of mindset of being unworthy? Because I think a lot of us women are still stuck there, not realizing that that's where we are, but we do equate ourselves to how we look on the outside. And so we we try everything we can to feel, you know, that we're fit, that we're skinny, that we're this, that we're that, because that's how we attract a partner. That's how we keep a partner. That's how we are successful, you know? So getting, how do you, did you do it yourself? And then how do you actually coach your clients through it? Because there are a lot of online fitness coaches out there who work on the body and the nutrition, but not the mindset, which I think is what you do differently. Yeah. So this is kind of like the sick, the sick joke. It's like, you see the before afters, you see the results, the physical results from our program, women losing weight and getting in much better shape and feeling amazing and talking about how confident you feel. What you don't actually see is like what we actually do in our program. And so every week we have these group calls where there's 300 plus women on there. And wow. um, we, we have, a, it's like a big party. We celebrate the wins that are going on. We, we give a lot of value. We answer questions that were asked via FAQ form and stuff. And at the end, I go, I go off for like 10 minutes on a, um, let's just, we call it the, the value portion, but it's where I just, I talk about exactly what you're, what we're talking about right now, which is the mental piece of transformation of behavior modification of, of changing your life and making that an inside job because it is an inside job. Like there's nothing external. There's nothing you can achieve. There's nothing you can find outside of yourself that is going to give you fulfillment, make you happy. It's like that hedonic cycle, right? It's like, once I have X, I'll be happy. And then we get to X and we just move the goalposts, right? So ironically, 
the paradox is if you cultivate love for your body where it is exactly in this moment and you cultivate contentment, not complacency, mind you, but contentment, you decrease friction between where you are and where you want your body to be because you're no longer taking actions out of self-loathing. You're no longer taking action because you have to. You're saying it's, you, the whole language changes. It's like instead of saying, well, I have to track my calories or I have to go to the gym because I hate myself or I have to go walking because if I don't, I'm just going to be fucking miserable because I hate my cellulite. I hate my C-section scar. I hate this, 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 just ripping yourself apart. So that's why you go. It's like, no, those actions don't ever stick because they're taken from a place of self-loathing. When you shift the language and view it through a different lens of, of honoring yourself and loving yourself, it's like, I love my body so much that I'm going to go on two walks this week. I love my body so much that I'm going to go to that Pilates class that I've been, you know, hesitant to sign up for because of how I look in yoga pants. I'm going to go and, you know, it's same simple commitments, right? Just simple commitments that we can make, but the language changes. Like, I love my body so much that I'm going to become aware of my caloric intake so that I can set a great example for my kids and set them up for a, a great, you know, life ahead of them instead of trapping them in the same cycle that I was put in by my parents. You know, it's yeah. like you shift it around. It's like, man, I love myself so much that I'm going to do all these, this healthy things. I'm going to eat more nutrient dense food. I'm going to do this. And then just stacks up. Right. So the way the language we use, the way we identify with self is so important. And this is a multi-layered thing, but the way I did it was the exactly way I coach our clients to do it. And obviously like therapy, big part of that huge advocate of therapy. And we, we always, uh, encourage clients to to seek it if they feel they need it or if they're really struggling with some of this mental stuff. That was a huge part for me. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that. Like therapy, I've, I've been three years now, like full on. Yeah. And I think it's important too to be discerning, just like you would find a, you would look for a coach that fits your needs. Really be discerning when you're looking for a therapist. They're humans just like us. So you want to find one that you know, is really going to take you to the next level, help you develop some awareness of self and and actually, you know, make behavior modification. Um, just like you want to find an effective coach is going to tell you like it is, right? Which is what we're really good at doing. So it's like a, a mix of, yes, you know, we want to cultivate contentment where you're at. We want to cultivate self-love. We want to change the way you speak to yourself. We want to change the way you start your day. We want to limit your screen time on your phone. What are you exposing yourself to? Let's audit your environment. Let's unfollow every account that you're comparing to and making yourself hate yourself. Let's not watch the news. Let's do all these things. Like let's let's curate an environment that makes it more conducive to having self-love. And there's also the tough love part of it where I'm like, sis, like you invested in our program. You didn't track your calories this week. The fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Like you you are here for a result. We are telling you exactly what's going to get you that result. And you're refusing to do it because you're allergic to ownership. Because if you track calories, you would discover that you are indeed overeating. Now that that's out in the open, we can go forward, right? Like yeah. you are the problem. You're also the solution. That's the great news. Like totally good. It's They're both good news. Good news. You're the problem. Good news. You're the solution, right? So like a mix of both of those things, I think is what makes a truly impactful coaching program. It's like, we're going to give you the tools. We're going to help you cultivate self-love and change some of those scripts you've got running from childhood that say you're not good enough and you got to do this because you hate yourself. And we're also yeah. going to hold you extremely accountable for what you have committed to. And, and that means becoming aware of your caloric intake and doing new things each week. We're going to push you to do that because because comfort has become home for you and nobody, bro, you, 
growth, comfort, pick one, can't have both, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> so. it's so true. And growth is, to- yeah, exactly. Growth is uncomfortable. I love that you talk about environment too, because I think that's a huge part of anyone's journey, whether you're on a weight loss nutrition goal, whether you're building a business, whether you are like on a relationship, whether you're a recovering addict, you have to choose your environment really carefully. And there was a post that you did about um, a while back about the people that you surround yourself with and like who you need to stop listening to. So how much of a factor is your, you know, your friend group, your circle of influence on this journey? Man, when you start to embody integrity and you start to understand like what your values are and you start to make shifts, these things start to kind of identify themselves and it, it will put some relationships at risk that were either, you know, benefiting from you not having any boundaries or were used to the old you that were, was used to, you know, the old habits that were keeping you stuck. And, and so that's a good thing to be discerning about. It's like, what, what relationships do I feel friction in when I start to better myself? Those probably are relationships that aren't serving me as much. And I don't want to, we don't want to swing the pendulum too far towards like, cut off everybody. Cause right. you know, you're not invested in my journey. We don't want to do that, but we also want to be very mindful of just our environment as a whole, because you're right, you're an average of the five people you spend most time with. Mm -hmm. And now more than ever, it's like technology, social media, you know, we deal with stuff our parents generation didn't deal with. And the soul suck device that people are staring at all day, every day, it's a huge part of why people are so depressed, why people are, are stuck in comparison, because social media is great at convincing you that you should live somewhere else, have someone else be something else other than exactly what you are. And so people get conditioned to portray a facade of what they think everyone will like instead of just being their authentic self. So like there's so many layers to it, but yeah, I'm really big on how you start your day. And I think if if the way you start your day is immediately looking into the soul suck device, the cell phone, for those of you listening, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, That's a wrap on the rest of the day because you've, you've let the negativity of the world into your, your reality. You've, you've opened up that window of comparisons. The first thing you saw, it sets the tone for the rest of your day. It's like, if that's how you start your day by doom scrolling through either news or someone, you know, someone else's body that's Photoshopped, but you think that you need to look like that, or someone else has more money than you, whatever it is, someone's more successful in business. That's a wrap on the rest of the day. You've started the day in contempt. You started the day in resentment. And and that's how you're going to operate the rest of the day. You start the day instead pouring into yourself, like put the phone down, do some, some breath work, some meditation, get real conscious, do some state management, put yourself in a place where you're actually open to opportunity and gratitude and abundance and all these things. You know, it's, it's not where it's not airy fairy. It's like, you're literally just training your mind to think differently and, and view life through a different lens. Like it's like our thoughts become things. You hear that all the time. All the time. I'm, I'm a walking billboard for that. Like I used to be everything that I now guide women away from in terms of men. And I've changed my life to where I can comfortably say on screen in front of millions of people that, yeah, I'm a, I'm a man of integrity and like I'm, I'm an empower of women and all these things. It's like I did that with constantly changing these little things, like how I started my day, how I spoke to myself, therapy, the consistent dedication to state management and, and all these, like that, all that culminated to create a, a totally different reality than I had you know, five, six years ago, thankfully. But, yeah. and that has helped me be a better coach because I coach other, I coach women to do the same thing. Yeah. 
And we just, we have to walk the walk, right? Like I, you know, we just really have to walk the talk, walk all those things. And as we change those in ourselves and we can truly live in integrity that this is what is working for us. And it's, it's holding yourself accountable to those things. Cause I know that everyone says that, oh, it's the morning routine. It's the, don't look at your phone. We should journal in the morning. Oh, that's all said and good, but do it. I like actually do it. And you will see the change because you're right. It's the first 30 minutes in the morning. And what you think about your thoughts in the thir- first 30 minutes literally sets up your entire day. And so we all have, we are all on the rat race. We're all on this, like, well, I have so much to do. I got to check my phone. I got to check my email or if I'm, I got to check how many likes I got on that post yesterday and make sure like my real count is up so I can do my content or whatever it is, right? Like we are looking outside ourselves and we get so sucked in to something outside of our own soul and our body. And you are a hundred percent right. We got to start tuning in to that and knowing that it's us in this present moment. That is the most important. Everything else out there can wait, but you have to center you in order to take on the day in order to be able to live your best life and be your best self. But it happens with doing it today. You know, like who do you want your tomorrow self to be starts by whatever you're doing today. And I, I love it. I love everything that you're that you're about. I love how conscious you are about the mindset. I love that you've done all of the work on yourself so that you're showing up to be the kind of person that you want your clients to be. Because I'm, I'm damn sure that that resonates on a big level to those people who are struggling with the same thing. So thank you for everything that you do. And thank you for being here today with us and sharing all this because it's been awesome. Thank you, Cindy. It's an honor. I really appreciate you having me and uh, admire everything you do as well. So thank you so much. You're, yeah, this is awesome. Tell everybody before we leave, though, where they can find you because they need to. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you just search Maverick Online Coaching, that'll bring up my Instagram. That's the best place to go. Um, we do have a website, but um, Instagram is, is where you're going to find the links to everything, the podcast, the Revenge Body podcast and uh, application link, um, all, all those things. So yeah, Instagram would be the best place to go, just at Maverick Online Coaching. And so they would find, reach out to you if they are going through a situation where they really want to learn about their nutrition, learn about their hormones, learn about what's going on in their body and get themselves on track, both mentally, physically, and emotionally, really, right? Absolutely. Shoot me a DM. Perfect. Thank you, Maverick. Thanks for being here. I'll see you on Instagram. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week.